Africa rise and shine Africa zora Africa amka na unai and a very warm welcome to Africa Rise and Shine. This is Channel Africa from an African perspective and we're coming to you live in Johannesburg, South Africa. We're on the frequencies 7230 kHz on the 41-meter band to Southern Africa and on DSTV's audio bouquet Channel 802. I'm Lulu Gabu in studio with Anne Musa, Tawisolo Hoko and Figile Lingwati. In our top stories on Africa Rise and Shine at this hour, Emerson Mnagagwa to be sworn in as president of Zimbabwe today. Situation remains tense in Somalia after deadly U.S. raid and SADC ministers meet to discuss law enforcement and anti-poaching strategy. In economics news, IMF says Zimbabwe's economic situation remains very difficult. And in sports news, Supersport ready to play TP Mazembe in Confederation Cup final. But first up, the news with Anne Musa. A very good morning to you. I'm Anne Musa. Zimbabwe's Emerson Nimnangagwa will be sworn in as interim president, marking the final chapter of political drama that toppled his predecessor, Robert Mugabe, after military takeover. Mnangagwa will take the oath of office at the National Sports Stadium on the outskirts of the capital Harare before thousands of supporters, dignitaries and foreign diplomats. Mugabe, who ruled the southern African country for 37 years, was ousted from office when the military intervened after it sacked Mnangagwa as first vice president. State television suggested that Mugabe may be present at the inauguration ceremony, but no official has confirmed his participation. People are starting to gather at the National Sports Stadium in Arare for the inauguration of Mnangagwa as Zimbabwean interim president. Reporter Aldrin Sampiers at the National Sports Stadium in Harare. Just to take you briefly through what's expected to happen is um, that the Chief Justice will be the person who's in charge of leading Emerson Nagagwa and taking that oath of office. And once that oath of office is taken, there will be that speech that will be delivered as uh, the new president of uh, Zimbabwe. And he will speak, be speaking to these um, hundreds and thousands of Zimbabweans who have made their way here. Some have been as early as um, around about 4 a.m. this morning. Being here, I was speaking to a few others saying that um, they left their place as early as 11 p.m. last night, making sure that they want to be part of um, this event. Meanwhile, South African President Jacob Zuma is not attending the inauguration of Emerson Mnangagwa due to a meeting with Angola's new head of state, João Lorenzo. The post-Robert Mugambi transition and rising political tension in the DRC are expected to top the agenda of the meeting at the government union buildings in the capital, Pretoria. Lorenzo is on his first ever state visit to a foreign country since winning the election in August to succeed Eduardo de Santos, who ruled the country for 38 years. Tepo Ikaneng reports. The state visit to South Africa by Angolan President Juan Lorenzo 
coincides with the inauguration of the Zimbabwean president-designate Emerson Mnangagwa in Harare. Both President Zuma and Renjo are expected to use their bilateral talks to discuss plans to ensure that the smooth transitional period in Zimbabwe. Analysts believe that the developments in Zimbabwe will force both leaders to pressure DRC President Joseph Kabila to stage elections after months of delays which have prolonged his stay in office. Eight men from the privately owned Red Paper newspaper and its sister publication in Uganda have been charged with treason of an article implicating President Yoweri Museveni in a plot to overthrow his Rwandan counterpart, Paul Kagame. On Tuesday, police raided the offices of the publication of the popular tabloid newspaper groups after the controversial article was published on Monday. The charges include treason, offensive communication and disturbing the peace of the president. The treason charge carries a possible seven-year jail term. Among those being held is Red Paper CEO as well as the chief editors and the financial director of the group. And finally, 40 people have been arrested after raids in Western Central Africa led to the recovery of nearly 500 victims of human trafficking. Raids were carried out in Chad, Mali, Mauritania, Niger and Senegal. Of those rescued, 236 were children. Those arrested faced charges of human trafficking, forced labor and child exploitation. Police Inspector Yoratrare from Interpol in Mali's capital, Bamako, says the operation codenamed Sparrow Hawk has been effective. That's the news headlines at 8.30 Central African Time. Africa, rise and shine. Africa, Zorza. Africa, Amuka na Unai. Thank you, Anne. It's 8.06 Central African Time and you're listening to Africa Rise and Shine. In a few hours, Zimbabwe will have a new president for the first time in 37 years. Emerson Mnagagwa, the former vice president, will, sw- will be sworn in as the new leader of Zimbabwe. This follows the resignation of President Robert Mugabe after mounting calls for his removal. Mbali Sibanyoni reports. As Zimbabweans continue to be in a state of euphoria, the national stadium where the official inauguration of the new president will be held is expected to be jam-packed. People from all walks of life will be bussed in from different provinces to this occasion where many Zimbabweans have been waiting for almost a lifetime to witness. The grounds will be open from as early as 6 in the morning while preparations continue to get underway. Incoming President Emerson Mnangagwa's convoy was spotted earlier at the presidential offices. It's understood he attended a meeting with officials, but it's not clear who was present. While Mnagagwa was warmly received by most Zimbabweans, some are hopeful for impactful change, while others still express their anger towards Robert Mugabe. And we all want to be free to eat all what we want. We want to enjoy free transport. When I say free transport, I'm trying to say things that we afford. Uh, We expect our children to have jobs because going to university level isn't all that is. I used to love Robert Mugabe, but now I hate him with passion because of the new... See, I I went to school and I have my qualifications, but there's no jobs here. I used to work in South Africa and I came in Zimbabwe to look for a job, but I can't find a job here. So that old Mdala, may God take you. 
We want food, jobs, and everything. Clothes. Everything. Muno is down. Zimbabwean businessman Philip Chabata and a friend of the incoming president says as Mnangonga is sworn in tomorrow, he must also be recognized for his contribution for Zimbabwe's liberation. He was very active in, the, in orchestrating the struggle to where it, the country became independent. In 1980, he became the um, first minister of uh, state security, worked with various organs and various people. Very wonderful. Most comrades will tell you that they found solace and comfort going to, to, uh, to Emerson. During that time, there was segregation between the nationalists and the guerrillas. Where the nationalists begin to downgrade the guerrillas, Emerson was one of the only ones where most of the people would go to. And he, he was such a father figure. Chabata says he's confident that Mnagangwa will bring about the necessary change. A lot of things happened and he, I think he gave his life to Christ. He's a great Christian, a family man and a wonderful person. His vision for the country is almost second to none in the continent. And we are hoping that this country can become what it's supposed to be. And this country is very rich. And with Emerson at the helm, with his ideas, progressive ideas, we are looking forward for really development and the cooperation with the international world. As many will be glued to hear what Nangagwa will be saying in his official speech, President Robert Mugabe's presence will also be carefully monitored. I'm Bali Sibanyoni in Harare in Zimbabwe. The International Women in Leadership Summit 2017 takes place on the 23rd and 24th of November at the Premier Hotel Kempton Park in South Africa's Gauteng Province. The theme of the summit is unraveling the sustainable development goal for tangible benefits for African women. Join Channel Africa and Africa for Africa as we cover the International Women in Leadership Summit this coming Thursday and Friday. Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective. It's 8.10 Central African time and you're listening to Africa Rise and Shine. We're coming to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa. Emerson Mnagagwa will cap a stunning political comeback when he is sworn in as Zimbabwe's president today, bringing the final curtain down on the 37-year-old, 37-year rule of former President Robert Mugabe. 93-year-old Mugabe, who had led Zimbabwe from independence in 1980, stepped down on Tuesday after the army seized power and the ruling ZANU-PF party turned against him. The words, the world's oldest serving head of state resigned as parliament began a process to impeach him, sparking wild celebrations in the streets. For more on the inauguration, we are now joined on the line from Zimbabwe's capital, Harare, by our correspondent there, Simon Muchema. Simon, good morning and thank you so much for joining us. Now, just two weeks ago. Mugabe fired Mnagagwa and today he will become Zimbabwe's new president. How would you describe the mood in the capital today? 
Uh, it's it's uh, ecstatic. Uh, people are very happy, and uh, thousands of people is already uh, coming. This is at 8 a.m. The program is going to start uh, sometime after 10 o'clock when the dignitaries and including the heads of state from Sadak uh, will be arriving. But already the stadium is full. And um, the stadium was opened as early as 5 o'clock and people started throwing uh, on that time. There are long queues outside. People are queuing to get inside. But of course, the effect is being take, uh, taking place for security reasons because uh, uh, the stadium accommodates about 60,000 people plus those who will be seated in that will make about 65,000. So uh, a gathering of that magnitude needs tight security. That's why there's so much security here at the National Sports Stadium. But um, uh, on, on the flip side, it's time to make money. Some as well vendors are trying to sell their ice cream, uh, food, and so forth. And already, most of these people who are doing that have already started uh, cooking and selling their food. There's a lot of there are a lot of things happening uh, right now, but uh, we're expecting the program to start around 10 o'clock when all the dignitaries will be seated, and then the swearing-in starts in the 16 p.m. Who exactly is Emerson Mnagagwa? Briefly tell us about this man, nicknamed the Crocodile. Where does the Crocodile name come from? The name Crocodile, from what we understand historically, came from the time of the Liberation War struggle when he was in Zambia. And he said he had been someone who was so cunning and uh, very quiet. And uh, whenever he was doing uh, his activities during the Liberation War, you would not know he was there unless uh, he, he starts to attack. Um, the name Koko Tao did not come um, when he came from the independent in Zimbabwe, but he started during the liberation struggle. By the way, uh, he's a lawyer by profession, and that uh, when he joined the liberation struggle, he was a young man around 20 years of, of age, and he started off by bombing a train in a, and he was arrested. But uh, later on, uh, the, the black lawyers were there, uh, assisted him to lower his age, and uh, he was acquitted um, uh, because of age, and they did not into the death sentence. So they actually uh, sentenced him to life imprisonment and uh, for more than 10 years in prison. Uh, liber- the, the credentials of the liberation struggle um, are, are so much uh, on the shoulders of Mnangagwa uh, because he, he then became the henchman for Robert Mugabe all along during the liberation struggle. And um, from the independence, he was in the cabinet uh, in various ministries, but the key ministry that he held is that was for state security uh, from 1987 at the time when um, Simon, unfortunately, uh, Simon, uh, just uh, quickly there. Unfortunately, we keep keep missing you i think the the, the line is there's a very bad connection uh, we will try and get uh, uh, you back on the line to continue this discussion um, just give us a few minutes
That was our reporter or our correspondent from Harare in Zimbabwe, Simon Muchema, who was just giving us an update of the developments with regards to the expected inauguration of uh, Emerson Mnagagwa as president of Zimbabwe after um, 37-year rule of President Robert Mugabe. Africa, rise and shine. Africa, Zorza. Africa, Amuka na Unai. Game is a program dedicated to SMEs and entrepreneurs on the African continent. Welcome to Change Your Game on Channel Africa, the African perspective. We're coming to you from Johannesburg, South Africa. It is a weekly entrepreneurial program that targets entrepreneurs, especially young entrepreneurs on the African continent. Before we even, you know, talk about the journey, please tell me what an entrepreneurologist is. <laughs> well, that's a question that I get um, everywhere I go. Catches every Friday at 1000 hours Central African time and Saturday at 1300 hours Central African time. Change your game, empowering the next generation of outstanding African entrepreneurs. We have Simon Machema, our Zimbabwe correspondent in Harare, and he was just giving us an update on the inauguration expected to take place today of uh, pre- of incoming um, Emerson Mnangagwa, who is taking over from uh, former Zimbabwe's president. Uh, Robert Mugabe's um, after Robert Mugabe's resignation on Tuesday, um, Simon. Let's just go back to our our, our chat earlier. Um, do we know if uh, President Mugabe will be attending the inauguration? We are not so sure whether President Mugabe will be attending, but an invitation was sent yesterday to President Mugabe as the former president of Zimbabwe. Because um, constitutionally, President Mugabe is supposed to be there as the outgoing president uh, to actually witness uh, what is happening today. Because this is the second time when we are seeing uh, a second president being uh, uh, ushered in after President Robert Mugabe was ruled Zimbabwe for 37 years. President Mugabe ruled for 37 years, but initially was a prime minister, and then he was... Um, um, elected to become the executive president. From the time he was elected to become the executive president, Emerson Mnangagwa is the second president of the nation. So, constitutionally, Robert Mugabe is supposed to be here as the former, former president, then he hands over uh, to Emerson Mnangagwa. But it depends on him because he's an old man and maybe he doesn't feel like appearing in public at the moment. But, uh, that the invitation we are told has already been put to him to, to attend. Simon, we, we, we know that uh, President of South Africa, uh, President Jacob Zuma, will not be attending um, the inauguration due to uh, uh, engagements with uh, Angola's new president and his representative, uh, uh, 
Kwele will, Minister Kwele will be attending the inauguration in his place. In terms of the other presidents or other dignitaries from other African countries or um, in terms of uh, the British, uh, are they sending any delegates? Do you know who exactly is going to be attending the swearing-in ceremony today? Uh, as it stands right now, we're not so sure who in person will be coming. We understand the Botswana president will be here, the Zambian president will be here, uh, the Malawian president, we spoke to the High Commission, uh, they said that uh, they had uh, received confirmation that if I that the president from Malawi can come, maybe representative will be coming. So uh, in, in essence, we can say that maybe in short, uh, of the SADC, uh, heads of state will be attending. Some of uh, those come from the AU might not attend in person, they intend their representatives, but we're expecting even uh, dignitaries from the EU and the U- U- uh, USA, and including uh, the Chinese uh, government, including the Russian government. Those have confirmed that uh, uh, they will be sending dignitaries. So it will be it will be pegged actually because we understand. There will be more than uh, 20 uh, heads of state or representatives represented here during the swearing-in ceremony. Simon, when Emerson Nagagwa returned uh, to Zimbabwe in Harare, um, he made a very brief speech, and uh, you know he mentioned the fact that he would uh, he'll be w- working with uh, job creation and uh, ensuring that there's job creation and uh, um, dealing with the foreign debt um, that Zimbabwe currently has. And we've seen reaction from Zimbabweans in countries like South Africa who are saying that we're not going to return home immediately we're going to wait to see what ha- exactly happens with regards to the economy of Zimbabwe what do you think um, apart from this the tone of his speech today what are the expectations especially when it comes to um, the economic situation and reconciliation in Zimbabwe as we've seen um, there's been some sort of violence uh, towards uh, President Mugabe's uh, supporters uh, for instance, Moyo's family, who was attacked uh, um, just a day or two ago. Uh, we expect uh, President Emerson Nangagwa uh, to say a lot, but around the economy, around the UK, uh, because, uh, uh, by the way, Emerson Nangagwa is not a man of many words. He's uh, a man of few words, but uh, actions. Uh, we, we saw when he was uh, speaking at the Zanotis headquarters, he didn't say a, a, a lot, but he said that uh, he was actually fighting for unity in Zimbabwe so that uh, Zimbabwe can start rebuilding the nation. And then later on, he said that his government focused on uh, rebuilding the economy. And uh, according to uh, Dr. Mpofu uh, from Zanotis, Dr. Mpofu said that uh, they are actually very, 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 uh, very confident that uh, President Emerson Nangaba will stick to his word and make sure that the economy is revamped, jobs are created, and so forth. Because uh, Emerson Nangaba is a result-oriented man from what we've known, uh, even throughout his history as a minister. So we don't actually um, um, uh, doubt what he was saying, but the only thing that uh, he's taking over from a ruined nation and he's going to work hard to make sure that uh, his words will be wished
Simon, the security issue, what's the security like at the stadium, in and around the stadium? There is uh, clear security at the stadium, but uh, this is expected because the people are coming. And even under the former president, Robert Mugabe, whenever such a, a, an event of such magnitude was taking place, the security would be so tight because uh, they wouldn't want to make any mistakes because the head of state should be visited so forth. So yes, in terms of security, the security side, but of course, a big free to walk into the stadium, uh, to, to, to get into the stadium and so forth. But uh, it, it, it's a jovial mood. Everyone program. People are just walking in, walking out. You can see the soldiers, the police everywhere. Uh, security side, but uh, it, it, it's business as usual. And why you, the Zimbabweans, we've always seen this, especially when heads of state are visiting uh, to such events. Simon, I touched on the issue of uh, the Moyo family who were attacked um, after being seen as uh, f- uh, loyalists to pres- former President Robert Mugabe. What's the situation there with Moyo's family? We see on social media that uh, he has been released from detention after a couple of days in detention, but his family did go through some sort of attack. Can you just give us the details of exactly what happened there? We're not so sure. Information is just coming in in bits and pieces, but we understand that um, uh, Mr. Shombo, who is the former minister of State of Affairs, and even Jonathan Moyo, the former minister, or maybe the minister of higher education, have been released. Uh, the attacks, yes, the, we have seen some messages coming in, uh, listing us that uh, the families could have been attacked. That was expected as well because uh, these two key people are said to have been the masterminders of the G40, a faction in ZANU-PF which is uh, accused of having uh, feigned factionalism uh, in ZANU-PF to such an it ended up destabilizing the economy of Zimbabwe. So we are not really sure of, uh, where they are right now in uh, their state, uh, whether they are in hospital or not, but we understand that the Shombo has been hospitalized, maybe because of uh, depression and so forth. We don't know it. But we know that uh, for sure these two people have been released and they are, uh, they are now in the hands of their family. Simon, we will be getting further updates as the day progresses. And uh, I, I guess uh, during the inauguration ceremony itself um, with uh, the other programming as the day continues. Thank you so much for joining us and giving us that update after 37-year rule of former President Robert Mugabe of Zimbabwe. A new president will be sworn in. Emerson Nagagwa will be taking over, I think, as uh, the third president of uh, independence, Zimbabwe, independent Zimbabwe. It's 8.27 Central African time and you're listening to Africa Rise and Shine. Let's talk about it. Hi, I'm Joe Mangliya. And I'm Tabisa Jala. Join us at 9 a.m. Central African time. Let's, Let's talk, talk about it. A program on AIDS and other social issues. A program that will encourage a positive lifestyle to young people affected and infected. Let's, Let's talk, talk about, about it at 9 a.m. Central African time on Channel Africa.
Abari, etise, mache, mingabu, baoni, kedu, mbote, ndemne. Bonsoir. Join me, Richard Mwamba, for a music show on Channel Africa called Africa in Song every Saturday and Sunday from 18 to 20 hours Central African time. Africa in Song, Saturday and Sunday from 18 to 20 hours Central African time. Across the globe, every second, there's always a breaking story. for Channel Africa Radio in Ethiopia's capital, Addis Ababa. For Channel Africa, I'm Lillian Strobach, reporting from the ICC in The Hague. Reporting for Channel Africa, I'm Hilda Kekeloa in Zambia. Our cutting-edge and hard-hitting journalism leaves no stone unturned, giving you the whole picture every time. George Muhango. Channel Africa Blantyre. This is Lansana Fofana reporting for Channel Africa from Freetown. Reporting for Channel Africa in Harare, Zimbabwe. This is Simon Muchemwa. Reporting for Channel Africa. This is Moki Kinzeka in Yaoundi. From an African perspective, listen to Channel Africa in English, Kiswahili, French, Silozi, Portuguese, and Chinyanja, informing the world about Africa. in Reporting for Channel Africa, Konyo in Nairobi. Join us every day and know what is happening around you. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. It's 8.29 Central African time and you're listening to Africa Rise and Shine. Our headlines up next with Anne Musa. A very good morning to you, um, Anne Musan. The headlines, the Zimbabwe Defence Force arrives at the National Stadium in Arare as the country awaits the serving in of interim president Emerson Mnangagwa. Eight men from the privately owned Red Paper newspaper and its sister publication in Uganda have been charged with treason of an article implicating President Chiwere Museveni in a plot to overthrow his Rwandan counterpart Paul Kagame and Pakistani Islamist Afis Saeed seen as the mastermind of a 2008 militant assault in the Indian financial hub of Mumbai in which 166 people were killed has been released from house arrest. Those are the stories making headlines. Africa, rise and shine. Africa, Africa, wake up. Africa, Africa, right Africa, Africa, wema. Sun rises. Le soleil élevé. We ya wema. What's in the happen, Africa? Africa, Dumelang Sanbonani. Africa, Mulishadi, Pulibanji. Africa, Enyomi, Kilonshele. Africa, Ndinkim, Kinkunume. What's in the happen, Africa? It doesn't matter where you come from. We, we are, are one people. people. Channel Africa. Channel Africa. The voice of the African Renaissance. This is DJ Cleo with G Exploits from Nigeria. Channel Africa. The voice of the African Renaissance. 
It's 8.31 Central African time and you're listening to Africa Rise and Shine. We're coming to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa. A new regional migration data hub from for Southern Africa for the International Organization for Migration will be launched later today in Johannesburg. The hub forms part of IOM's global response following the launch of the Global Migration Data Analysis Center in 2015 in Berlin, Germany. Recent data shows that around 60% of rural migrants are between 15 and 34 years old, most of them men. For more on this, we are now joined on the line by Charles Quenin, Regional Director for IOM Southern Africa Region Office. Good morning, Charles, and thank you so much for joining us on Africa Rise and Shine. Uh, Good morning, and how are you this morning? Well, very good, thank you. Now, what prompted the launch of this hub, and what role will it serve? Well, the hub is supposed to be a repository of migration data that has been gathered and research work that has been done in the Southern Africa region. Indeed, a lot of work has been done, and as you well know, migration is a multi-sectorial and interministerial issue. And therefore, most of the migration data are disaggregated in different ministries, notably ministries of home affairs or internal affairs for that matter, ministries of labor, ministries of uh, foreign affairs. So it's important that we are able to analyze this data so that we provide evidence-based policies at the national level and at the regional level. Give us a sense of the migration patterns and trends in sub-Saharan Africa. Indeed, the migration trends in Africa fact that there is a lot more intra-regional mobility. And it's important that this data is analyzed to provide empirical evidence as to the magnitude of flow, the patterns, the trends, and also the migration dynamics. Otherwise, it, there is always, um, oftentimes, misconceptions and perceptions which does not reflect the realities of the situation on the ground. So the Migration Data Hub intends to provide an analysis by each member state in the SADC region so that we are able to do comparative analysis and also cross-tabulation to inform the general public, stakeholders, and governments so that they are able to make evidence-based policies to inform and correct the narrative and to give the realities of the situation of migration. Otherwise, the thinking has always been migration is negative, but indeed it is not. And it's time that we provide the correct narrative of migration. Has the organization ever encountered um, instances where there has been misrepresentation and what consequences were there? Well, there's been a number of occasions where migration has actually been misrepresented, which often uh, sometimes has resulted in uh, xenophobia or, you know, uh, the stigmatization about migrants in many countries in Africa and uh, elsewhere. For instance, IOM did a survey with Gallup in a number of the, uh, the developed countries, Western industrialized countries, notably in the U.S., Canada, Spain, and Italy. And the results showed 
that the perception of the number of migrants in those countries is far lower than what the citizens actually think. And that is why we think it's important that the migration data is analyzed to provide the realities of the situation on the ground. And IOM is ready and willing to work with partners, government, the academia, the private sector and civil society, work together in partnership and in collaboration with uh, other uh, interested partners to provide uh, the correct uh, information and evidence on migration. Now, when you say you're, you're willing and ready to work um, and, and, and make partnerships, uh, are there any tools and uh, resources that you can mention that uh, the organization has developed to enhance its regional response? Indeed, yes. IOM already has a number of tools that we've been working with. Notable among them is the displacement tracking matrix, which provides government with reliable data in times of crisis and in times of displacement, which helps to provide uh, you know, reliable data for planning and budgeting purposes for humanitarian delivery. IOM also has the uh, flow monitoring tool which also is able to detect the flows of migrants. That is the magnitude of flows, the trends, and the patterns. And in recent times, uh, thanks to the generosity of the German government, IOM has established uh, what is often referred to as the GIMDAC. That is the Global Migration Data Analysis Center that collects migration data globally, does the analysis, and disseminates the information throughout the world. And again, as you may know, IOM has another tool that we've been using to monitor the migration flows and the depth across the Mediterranean uh, to Europe, mostly from sub-Saharan Africa. In in the intro, we mentioned the fact that uh, um, recent data has shown uh, shows that around sixty percent of rural migrants are between the ages of fifteen and thirty four years old, and most of them are men. Can you just take us through that and 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 how that information was put together, and some of the reasons they 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 put to the fore with regards to um, their migrating? Um, is it uh, violence? Is it, uh, uh, you know, trying to get a better life in terms of economically? Just take us through that process. Well, we use different uh, uh, models in partnership with national uh, statistical bureaus to provide this kind of demographic uh, data. And the evidence shows, for instance, when we, if we take South Africa, for instance, where I'm speaking from now, we realize that a number of the migrants within the region are from the SADC uh, region, whilst about 8.2% are from Europe and about 7.3% are from other African countries, that is the non-SADC uh, member states. So indeed, we use the national migration data and other uh, models to provide this evidence, which also shows that most of the migrants are actually uh, males and includes children as well, what we refer to as unaccompanied migrant children. Charles, we'll have to leave it there for now. Thank you so much for joining us.
Now, thank you very much for your attention. That was Charles Aquinnon, the Regional Director for IOM, Southern Africa Region Office, joining us on the line. This is Channel Africa, South Africa's official international public radio station on shortwave, internet and satellite. My name is Sipa Hot Sticks Mabuse, a South African musician and an African artist for that matter. You are listening to Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Pambi. My name is Yvonne Chaka Chaka from South Africa, but Africa is my home. You're listening to Channel Africa. The voice of the African Renaissance. My name is Habida, an African artist from Kenya, and you're listening to Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. It's 8.40 Central African time and you're listening to Africa Rise and Shine. We're coming to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa. SADC ministers responsible for environment and natural resources, fisheries and aquaculture and tourism are meeting in South Africa's capital, Pretoria, to discuss environmental management, implementation of SADC law enforcement and anti-poaching strategy. The meeting will also discuss transfrontier conservation areas and review current status of the wildlife, forestry, fisheries, aquaculture and tourism sectors in terms of implementation of regional projects, programs and strategies. Maluti Obusing has more. In that side, what we are facing as a region is to work together in order to put our institution to fight against what is illegal in order to be in uh, to to put the, the country to, to work in accordance with what we agreed in the region in Africa and the world. Mozambican Minister of Environmental Affairs Agostino Mondlane spoke on the importance of the sectoral joint meeting where the aim is to come up with ways and means to fight crime in the region. This is the first meeting of its kind. Environmental Affairs Minister Edna Molewa says resolutions at this meeting are very important for the economy of SADC region. Also to look at how we can actually combat illegal poaching and illegal use of our natural resources like for instance your fisheries, your wildlife, animal in its entirety. So with that strategy we continue to formulate here and work together. We're also looking forward to ensuring that we look at the tourists and tourism, how we can jointly work together in aid of the decisions that have been made previously of opening up with under Retosa, that's a regional tourism body, to facilitate movement of visitors to our region. It is at this meeting that the importance of tourism came under focus. Delegates here believe that tourism is an important aspect of economic growth in the region. Tourism Minister Tokozile Kasa says tourism contributes a lot to economic growth. At the moment, we are contributing about 9% into the GDP. It has been growing by about 3% every year. When you compare with the other sectors that have been fluctuating, it has been resilient moving forward, and it has been securing and sustaining more than 700,000 direct jobs. So for us, there's a much more space that is why the critical session that we are having, because these are the sectors across the value chain and making tourism a catalyst for economic growth. 
also the most important contributor to economy in Africa. Agriculture was also discussed at the meeting. Ministers say progress has been made in the fight against ocean crime. This is where unauthorized vessel fish is illegally found in the waters belonging to countries in the Sadek region. South Africa's Fishery and Agriculture Minister Senzeni Zokwana says an observatory has been built in Mozambique to deal with big waters criminals in the region. We have agreed to set up a site that will be an observatory site in Mozambique so that we'll be able to ensure that before these vessels leave our waters or enter our waters, we can be able to detect them and, and deal with them. South Africa has been requested by SATEC to work with Mozambique financially and other means so that we can develop the site there. And that will be a, the extension of the Ayora Agreement so that we will look at the whole of Indian Ocean. Meanwhile, Zambia says it has come up with methods to fight against rhino poaching. Land, Natural Resources and Environmental Protection Minister Jean Kapata called on other African countries to support its initiatives in the fight against poaching. The rhinos that we have in Zambia, our game rangers actually look after them 24-7. They don't lose sight of them throughout the night just to protect the species. And we make sure that uh, they are protected and they are followed by the rangers throughout the whole day. If they run, even the ranger runs. If they stop to rest, the ranger also stops to rest. And I just want to call upon Africa. Let's not diminish these special species that we have. Because if you go to America, you can't find a rhino. But when you come to Africa, we have these animals, plenty of them. So let's protect them. This meeting ends on Friday where resolutions will be announced. I'm Maluti Ubuseng in Pretoria. It's 8.45 Central African time and you're listening to Africa Rise and Shine. We're coming to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa. Our economics update up next with Tabisolo Hoku. Good morning. Ratings agencies Moody's and S&P Global are due to announce their decisions on South Africa. Ratings firm Fitch kept both South Africa's local and foreign currency credit ratings unchanged to one notch below investment grade with a stable outlook. Fitch says the affirmation reflects a number of developments that point to a weaker fiscal outlook and consequence a faster pace of debt accumulation. Fitch also says potential fiscal consolidation measures after the ruling ANC's elective conference in December could mitigate those trends. Since April, when Fitch downgraded the country to junk status, South Africa has seen a recession. Borrowing costs have increased and revenue has underperformed. The South African Reserve Bank says that the poor state of government finances points to more job losses in the public sector. The Reserve Bank has taken a unanimous decision to keep rates on hold at 6.5% as expected. Delivering the Monetary Policy Committee statement, the governor, Lesetja Khanyaho, warned that the risks to the inflation outlook were on the upside due to a possible credit downgrade as a result of the deteriorating fiscal position. Fiscal constraints point to further job losses in the public sector. The outlook for consumption expenditure by households has improved moderately following stronger retail trade sales in the second and third quarters. Retail trade sales recorded growth of 1.4% in the third quarter, despite month-on-month contractions in July and September. 
The Central Bank of Kenya has retained the benchmark lending rate at 10%, making it 14 straight months that the rate has remained unchanged. The Monetary Policy Committee says that the decision was taken to reflect, among other factors, a drop in inflation, stable foreign exchange market and comfortable import cover. The central bank rate was last changed in September 2016 when the committee cut it from 10.5% to 10% in the same month that a cap on bank loan interest rates took effect. The South African Federation of Trade Unions says it's preparing documents to launch a high court action against elite investigative unit, the Hawks, the South African Police Services and the National Prosecuting Authority to force them to do their job. The Federation says it has not received any response or assistance from South African Public Services, Power Utility ESCOM and South African Rail, Port and Pipeline Company, Transnet, with regards to the charges they laid against them. Last month, the Federation laid criminal charges against executives of Trillion, ESCOM and Transnet. The South African Federation of Trade Unions says it received a response from the prosecuting authority claiming to be investigating the public protector's state capture report since March 2017. General Secretary of SAFTU, Zelenzi Mavavi. We will not announce the day, but it can happen any time between basically today and any day or, or over the next few days. We will be in court, and in the court, we will ask the court to enforce Hawks, the police, and the NPA do the job that they are that have been prescribed by law. We have given them every piece of evidence they need, and for them to act upon. And so far, they are simply refusing to do so. The US dollar trades at 1386 in South Africa, it's at 1030 in Botswana and at 107 in Zambia. It's also trading at 75 pence to the British pound, 84 cents to the euro. Gold is trading at $1,292, platinum $940 an ounce. The price of brand crude oil is at $63.38 a barrel. Channel Africa. A sports update up next with Figile Lingwati. That double, we begin with football news. The Tibima Zembe side arrived in South Africa on Thursday afternoon with coach Pamphile Mihayo admitting things had not gone to plan in last Sunday's first leg but still confident of conserving their African Confederation Cup title. The holders from the Democratic Republic of Congo played the return leg in Pretoria on Saturday night with a narrow 2-1 lead from the first match which saw both sides 
with a chance to claim victory. Supersports United have announced that fans wearing blue t-shirts will be granted free access into the stadium. And Nigeria are the only one of Africa's five representatives from the last World Cup who returned for the 2018 edition and will be looking to better their place in the last 16 in Brazil. A crop of exciting young stars headline a team who will play at the World Cup for the fifth time, having mostly underachieved in the past. They will be concerned about Nigeria's dependency on Victor Moses and Joby, John Obi Mikel, with the level of performances over the last year falling dramatically when they were absent. Obi Mikel, who plays his club football in China, says Nigeria has done well. Um, I think now we, uh, everyone can see in the world, and also in Africa, uh, what we've done in the past one year or two years. Uh, we've um, we've changed the style of playing. We uh, we've had so much so much success, and now we're in the World Cup. I think we've done really really well. In rugby news, Springbok coach Alistair Kutia has made two changes to his team to play against Italy in the penultimate tests of the Kasselaga outbound tour to Europe. Huga Bongi Mbonambi will earn his first start for the Brocks in place of Malcolm Max, who has been struggling with a shoulder injury, while Peter Stev Dutoy will start at number 7 flank in place of Siakolisi, who has returned home ahead of the birth of his second child. Okay, look, Malcolm Marx has uh, part, uh, you know, still on his rehab plan. He's really done well. He's come through nicely. The only thing, obviously, is but taken or, you know, in you know, but took in all activities except contact this week. So, uh, therefore, it's um, really important not to to make sure Malcolm recovers 100%. But in, on the other hand, also a great opportunity for Bongi Manami to start. I think Bongi deserves a start. He's really been uh, playing well at Curry Cup level, especially in the semis in the final. And, uh, you know, he's uh, training well. He's looking good at training. And then a great opportunity for Chili Boy to come off the bench as well. Samoa national rugby team is trying to put their financial woes to one side as they prepare to face England at Twickenham on Saturday. Samoa declared its rugby team bankrupt, an assertion denied by World Rugby, but it has put a spotlight on the gulf between the financial state of the visitors and England. Samoa's coach Titimaya Tafua says the biggest worry is that sponsors have turned away from the team. As you know that uh, our rugby at the moment, especially our results, are not that good. So we're trying our best to get back there. And then, well, uh, you know, there are no sponsors coming, sponsors us if our team is not good. And now we, all we want is to do our job on the field, to do it right. Because the government keep on uh, bringing the money in, helping us out. India skipper Virat Kohli acknowledged that the tight schedule for before South African tour has led him to request for hard and bouncy tracks in the ongoing test series against Sri Lanka. And the ongoing Ashes test in Brisbane, Australia, Australia at the crease 147 for the loss of four wickets and the trail England by 155 runs. That's a sport news this hour. Africa, rise and shine. Africa, 
nzuri Afrika amka na unai Recapping our top stories in Africa, rise and shine at the Sawa Emerson Nagagwa to be sworn in as president of Zimbabwe today. The situation remains tense in Somalia after a deadly U.S. raid and SADC ministers meet to discuss law enforcement and anti-poaching strategy. That wraps up Africa, rise and shine today and for the week. For myself, Lulu Gabu, producers Pumuto Ramagaza and Selina Dobong, technical producer Mario Edwards and the rest of the team, thank you for joining us. For comments about our show, send us an email at info at channelafrica.co.za or tweet us at Rise Africa or send an SMS on 277-969-57930 or WhatsApp on 277-6300-3327. Are taking us to the top of the hour for the news on the frequency 7230 kHz on the 41 meter band to Southern Africa is Ismail Lowe with a song titled Jamu Africa.
Yo Allah sungai ini musibahnya Yo Allah aduh jam turu anda Yo ado aduh jam turundi Yo ado aduh jam turu kagamas Lawul minjona 